of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Welcome to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones, and it is great to be here with you today. And as you have joined in, uh, as I discuss matters related to worship, theology, and culture, and uh, this reaches ones of tens each week. <laughs> um, actually, I, I don't know. I used to track, um, sort of track how many people listen to this podcast in its various forms. And I think one week I got up to 12 people. So <laughs> um, I, I have had some criticism uh, lately, and you know who you are, um, about the short podcasts. Yes, they've been short. And um, sorry, it is what it is. That's what I'm doing. Um, trying to give you content in an abbreviated manner. So if it's 10 minutes, so be it. So at least you get something, you know, there was a period of time where I wasn't doing any. Um, and, and that period may come again. If I get too busy, we'll see. Um, but I do enjoy doing this. It gets me um, thinking. It, it helps me. It challenges me. And so hopefully it's beneficial for you, but it is beneficial for me as well. So uh, going on, I, I digress. So uh, I'm going to be talking today about forgoing the invitation in worship gatherings. And uh, if you're like me, you were raised in an evangelical Christian church that gave a weekly invitation. In other words, a time of response usually placed at the end of the worship gathering um, where you sing a billion stanzas of Just As I Am and and people come to the so-called altar, which is normally the, the steps of the church. Um, but a lot of churches have been forgoing that time. I'm a person that was raised in this type of church. My dad was a pastor, and we had a weekly invitation. It was in the bulletin as invitation. But currently, and for various reasons, the so-called traditional invitation is being removed in many evangelical worship gatherings. And while those who have become accustomed to an invitation for nearly their entire lives might resist this change, I want to invite people to examine the invitation itself in a different light and maybe question the foundational purpose behind its existence in the first place. So a, a few points I want to raise here as we think about this, and the first is that the invitation is not a biblical concept. An invitation belonging to a Christian worship gathering, that is what I'm specifically referring to, it's not a concept to be found anywhere in Scripture. The predominant practice until the 19th century was worship gatherings without an invitation time. Uh, revivalists and efforts to reach the lost by bringing them into the context of corporate worship paved the way for local churches to begin implementing an invitation time. And so for centuries, Christian worship was solely focused on God's glory and praise and nothing else. In other words, worship gatherings were not primarily evangelistic opportunities, but times set aside for a brief moment each week when God's people would devote themselves to praise and adoration of God. Think about all of the things you do each week. Can we not devote an hour or two hours even, or maybe even three hours, just a set-aside brief period of time out of the tons of hours we spend doing other things each week? Can we not devote just a fraction of that to worshiping God and nothing else. 
So the mentality began to change in the 19th century and continued into the 20th century, and it continues even now, although many evangelical churches are now forgoing the practice of the invitation. So what some might refer to as a traditional invitation really is not traditional at all, but an invention of the past 150 years or so, give or take. And so the invitation holds little place in church history and certainly not in the Bible. Its foundation is a recent tradition, and it should be considered closely by believers. This is not something the early church did. This is not something the Church of the Reformation did. This is a very recent, uh, compared to church history, this is a very recent occurrence. So, uh, that's my first point. The invitation is not a biblical concept. My second point is this. Worship is designed for Christians. Unbelievers cannot worship God. I've said this before, but when you invite a lost person to your corporate worship gathering, okay, uh, think, think, think about this. Everybody worships either God or Satan, period. And they may not think they worship Satan, but if you do not worship God, you worship Satan because anything else is of Satan. When you invite someone who is lost to your corporate worship gathering, you are inviting a worshiper of Satan into your midst. Think about that. I'm not saying don't do it. That is not what I'm saying at all. What I'm trying to get you to do is change your mentality, if you have this mentality, from worship as an evangelistic moment, which it is not. And I mean, by nature, anytime the gospel is preached, it is evangelistic in nature. But that is not its primary point or purpose. So I'm trying to get you to shift from that mindset to one that realizes that worship is for God's people alone. Lost people cannot worship God. They have no capacity. They have no ability to worship God because they are not in the Holy Spirit. And so while there's nothing wrong with unbelievers attending Christian worship, they have no capacity to worship God until they've been transformed by Him. Because worship can only occur in the power of the Holy Spirit, which they don't possess. And since evangelical worship gatherings since the 19th century have become evangelistic opportunities, the focus of, of evangelical worship gatherings has become distorted and led many Christians to view the purpose of a worship gathering as evangelistic in nature, when it is not. And so the reality is that worship is designed only for the church. And so believers should realize that worship with the purpose of reaching the lost is incorrect. It's an incorrect approach. And we need to adjust and make adjustments accordingly. And so this is happening in many modern evangelical churches where the truth of worship belonging only to the church is further realized. So my next point here is that the invitation often becomes manipulative. Many of you know what I'm talking about. You've experienced this. We've experienced what could be called manipulation during invitations. Often the music is slow, it's emotional, the lights are dim, and the preacher makes seemingly endless attempts at persuading congregants to make decisions of any kind because it looks good when a lot of people fill the open altar area, usually the steps to the platform. <laughs> you know, a lot of times evangelical churches don't have an actual altar. They just use the steps and say that's an altar. So, Hear me out here. I am not saying that these things that I mentioned, such as dim lights, slow emotional music, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But we need to be careful if we're just using it to manipulate people, not allowing the Holy Spirit to move. 
And so what is a moment like that except manipulative? And while believers need to strive for excellence aesthetically through the lighting, the sound, etc., etc., if people are changed by human manipulation rather than the Holy Spirit, they're not changed at all. Jonathan Edwards, who was a revivalist himself, says this, I should think myself in the way of duty to raise the affections of my hearers as high as I possibly can, provided that they are affected with nothing but truth and with affections that are not disagreeable to the nature of what they are affected with. In other words, affections are a vital part of human nature. Dealing with affections is crucial to ministering to God's people, but... A truly effective minister understands that affections are intended to align with the moving of the Holy Spirit, not manipulate people despite it. So ironically, although the invitation was born from a revivalist era, Jonathan Edwards himself understood this truth. And perhaps the invitation eventually became something it was not intended to become. Worship gatherings should not manipulate, but should reveal God for who he is in all of his glory and his splendor and provide an avenue for people to worship him. That should be its only purpose. My final point here is that the church is called to go. While an invitation is certainly not wrong, and don't, don't hear what I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's wrong or sinful, Many modern evangelical churches have seen the fruitility in its application and have opted to design worship gatherings with the sole intent of worshiping God. Often a church desires a lost world to come to her. In other words, we're in a local church, hey, come to us. I don't want to go to you. But scripture is clear that believers are called to go. The Great Commission, Jesus said, go. And an invitation could be perceived, and rightly so, as laziness and neglecting the call to go. The church should not use worship gatherings as a manipulative opportunity, but should seek to be biblical in every approach. And since lost people cannot worship God, since they don't have a capacity to do so, and since an invitation is not a biblical concept, perhaps local churches would benefit from considering why they might employ an invitation in the first place. If its purpose does not have the aim of God's glory... I think the act should be abandoned and swiftly and without apology. Abandon it, and if people ask, explain to them why. Here is why. This is not a biblical concept. This is something that is a recent man-made tradition. Whatever the case may be, we need to have a foundation to every single thing we do in Christian worship. And I hope and pray that that is what your local church does, that Nothing is done without a biblical foundation, without a reason, besides human desire, besides this is just what we want, or I think this is a good idea. What is the biblical supporting foundation behind what you do? I hope this has been enjoyable and beneficial to you today as we think about matters related to worship, theology, and culture. So thank you for listening to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Did it, did it.